Those of you who are regulars on this channel may remember or recall that I've discussed the IEA report that claims that oil is going to be the primary source of energy from now until 2050 and that energy consumption is expected to go up 50% during that time from the current levels. Today, the IEA puts out another report that says they expect the price per barrel of oil is uh, the increase in the price per barrel of oil is possibly coming to an end. Now, does this mean the end of our energy position? And should we get out now ahead of the curve? My answer to that is no. Um, and there's a couple reasons why I think this is going to be okay and is going to be the case. One reason, and you know, the phrase, take everything with a grain of salt, they are putting this opinion out there, but they aren't taking a high level of certainty stance, it seems, in putting this piece out there. In addition, my take on it is, the forces they reference are not new forces that have occurred in the energy space. They cite that a lot of production has been taken offline because of Hurricane Ida, and that has impacted the supply of oil on the energy market. However, we always talk about OPEC and how they're not increasing supply, etc. But they are increasing supply somewhat, 400,000 barrels per day. And yet we've seen quite a massive run in the price per barrel of oil thus far this year, and it's likely we're not even at peak demand. International travel is just beginning to start again. We're not fully in the heating season yet, although we're approaching it, and I'm not saying oil is a primary source of heating, but something tells me it's gonna be involved in that process this year with natural gas prices very, very high, up massively today. Um, so increases in production are nothing new. Um, in addition, should we even be worried about increases in production? And that is highly debatable. We definitely want increases in production if we can keep a high price per price per barrel. If OPEC just vanished and we got American companies, let's jack up that production because the price is already going to be very high. Exxon produced a little over $6 billion in net income last quarter. That's a lot of money. With the current price per barrel, I expect that to be somewhere in the eight to $9 billion range. That would put them around 24, 25, let's call it 25 billion dollars worth of annualized net income. That is one tenth of their entire valuation. 10 PE, very low, very low. Okay, buying them out of 10 PE hypothetically, could be even more than that, you know. We'll see how the next quarter looks, but around around $25 billion annualized net income, that's a whole lot of money. We'll see what happens. Maybe they get an extra 500, and just, you know, highlighting a potential example, maybe they got an extra 500,000 barrels of production. Maybe it's better than a one or 2%, $2 drop in the price per barrel of oil. Who knows? We'll see. We can't make, we can't act with that kind of level of precision, at least here. We, yesterday we talked about IBM. Maybe one day we can have a quantum computer 
and it can uh, figure that out for us. Over here, we unfortunately don't have that level of precision, but we have arguably what might be a better level of precision because we're not necessarily predicting exact numerical numbers. We're looking at fundamentals and painting a picture of what is possible and what makes sense. And we've seen increases. We've seen 20 million barrels enter the market and we've continued to have a resilient market churning to new highs. Now, I, I'm, I'm bringing this to your attention. It's on my radar. I'm watching it. Uh, I'm, 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 as of right now, I'm non-committal on it. I'm saying the price per barrel could end its run here, but I also see forces that have occurred similar to this force in the past that haven't had such a dramatic effect and have led to a continued rise. So I see both sides of the coin. I see energy stocks continuing to perform well, regardless, regardless. The precision I look at is cash flow. What kind of numbers are coming into the business? You know, obviously we would like to have precision about where the price per barrel of oil is going, but it's really hard to say, oh, the average price per barrel, unless they tell us that ExxonMobil was able to sell last quarter is 68, 73 and a quarter cents. Yeah, and they turned out almost, you know, $7 billion in net income, but it was, I believe, $6.75 billion in net income. So you get what I'm saying here. They pulled a lot of money and the price per barrel was lower than it currently is. And it's here. And my assumption is, and I'm, I, you know, I don't have drones surveying every single oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico, but I remember when Hurricane Ida hit and I remember they shut the plants down, the oil rigs down. And I remember within a week or two, a lot of them were able to come back online. And I guess some of them haven't, according to this IEA report. So we've had some of that production come back, some of that production not come back. And the price per barrel is rather, <clears throat> rather high. Excuse me, I need water. It's a, it's a long video, I guess. Um, so we'll see what happens with the price per barrel of oil. Regardless of what happens, I'm remaining bullish. So that's oil. Wanted to tell you about that because that's what's on my radar today. Yes, it's not, oh, gang-ho, we can continue to rise in the price per barrel as maybe it was yesterday. I'm still in the camp that the price per barrel is going to continue to rise. Supply and demand continue to be constrained as far as I'm concerned. OPEC is not increasing production. They obviously like I said, want to take market share. They also don't want to decrease price. White House, emissions, no drilling on federal lands. I've covered it many times. If you're new, welcome. We're happy to have you. Please like and subscribe. And also go to yesterday's video and previous videos before that, and you will hear more about the oil case, which I believe is very much still intact and is not changed by Hurricane Ida farms, essentially coming back online. However, I feel like we've covered oil for the day and let's get into other things. I received questions yesterday about CRISPR stocks and today I saw on CRISPR Therapeutics 
Twitter, aka its prime communications platform, that they are uh, receiving good news with regards to their diabetes treatment. And I'm sure we all know someone with diabetes. If not, you know it's quite prevalent in society. This is quite dramatic. We've talked about CRISPR on this channel many times. It was actually one of my first videos was specifically on CRISPR therapeutics. One of the first stocks I ever bought back in 2017, I'm 22 years old, um, and uh, I've been in it most of that time, traded out of it many times in my fund. I sold the entire position in January and have recently added on to that, restarted that position for the first time in several months. And uh, it's quite large of a position now. It's one of my larger positions. And um, we saw an interesting technical move on it today. We're not technicals, technicals, guys. I've known about this diabetes thing. I've known about sickle cell anemia for a long time. Editas doing blindness and vision stuff. They're doing very interesting things. But to see them communicate about it, it's bullish, if you ask me. So they're not trying to put it under wraps, hide it, go away from it. They're trying to remind you it exists. And these are the kind of stocks, you know, we've talked about the three areas of the portfolio that we have, mining materials, energy, 10X companies. The 10X companies, as we've said, we kind of just have to ride and let them do what they do. I've, you know, if you go back maybe into January and stuff, we do trim these names, okay? We love them, they're 10X, but we do trim them. We are responsible. As the saying goes, bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. So when it's appropriate, we will trim them. Right now we're adding specifically to CRISPR Therapeutics and Editas. Good news there. I'd, uh, I'd watch for things to reverse. It looks like something may occur there. Not saying, but it looks like something may occur. It looks like I see good news ahead, not bad news. Only reason why I think it would fall down is in the absence of good news, there's typically more net sellers than net buyers just because, you know, people buy it on the, wow, that's fantastic. And there's a huge spike. And then over time, people want to take cash and they need to liquidate. And that's, you know, same thing with every single asset. And it just kind of goes like this until another boom. You get what I'm saying? That's the deal. Mining and material stocks, we still like these. Uh, the area that you need to distinguish is foreign and domestic. Uh, the infrastructure package is passed, that's great, but it's probably, in my opinion, more attractive for domestic mining materials companies. As the US government likely wants to keep that money in the United States, propping up our industries. However, one of my largest positions is BHP, an Australian mining company, um, who's got about $20 billion in cash on the balance sheet and a 15% dividend. $8 um, on a 53 and change about dollar stock. It's quite significant, quite meaningful. And it's down about 50% from uh, its 52 week high. I don't know why that is. Seems to me it's making good money. I'm owning it and not saying you should, should too, but I'm bringing it to your attention. So that's it for today. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll keep our eye on Hurricane Ida and that coming on. We respect the IEA. We assume they have insights. We reference them frequently with regards to long-term oil consumption as 
doesn't seem the market is doing so. And we use that to our advantage to buy these stocks at a good discount. So that's today's video. And until next time, peace out.